Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Caraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Some Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. So, Also joining us this week, Lavender Gooms. Unlike Mark's new puppy, Sadie, I have not made a poopy on the floor today. So, Mike one, Sadie zero. Mike. Good, good job, Mike. Mike good improving job. Uh, from the time we lived with him. I lived with him. So, oh, nice step up. Um, We're all about improvements in this life, Bob. Ladies and gentlemen, um, we're really just in a dead zone with this fucking sport. Ain't nothing going on. Um, we UFC's trotting out these one-fight bullshit cards. And look, I, I get it, man. A bunch of people got knocked out on Saturday. Cool. Um, no, None of you knew who they were. All right? And uh, they're going to say, oh, you got to give these cards a chance. No, no, I don't. You have to promote them to me. That's how this works. You provide adequate promotion for me. To give attention to your event. And just writing the word UFC at the top is not enough. Just saying. Um, that being said, Marcus, we wanted uh, more from Kelvin Gastelum um, this mm. past week against Jared Cannonier. We were wondering what he had left. Um, turns out he has plenty left, but still didn't win. Yeah, it was kind of disappointing. Um, a much better performance than, you know, some of the... What was it? Was it Ian... What's that guy's name? That He, he lost to it by heel hook. Heimlich? Heimlich, yeah, like that that performance left a lot to be desired. This one didn't, you know, he really tried. And I think when you kind of break down the fight, what I found interesting, Gaslam was really mixing up his attacks in the first couple rounds. Uh, I do think he didn't land quite enough in the first round to win it. Um, but he was throwing a lot of kicks to the legs. He was uh, using, you know, he was in southpaw. I, th- I think that the, my, my main takeaway in this fight, you know, is Gaslam is southpaw. And he had a hard time transitioning against Cannoneer when he switched to Southpaw. I think when they were both in their original stances, Southpaw and Orthodox, Calvin felt more comfortable. He was letting, you know, his hands go a little bit more. He was targeting the body a lot more. He was throwing leg kicks. And in the first and second round, Cannoneer started going to uh, Southpaw because I think he felt really uncomfortable fighting a Southpaw. And um, when he switched up that position, you know, his weapons kind of changed a little bit. I think his footwork lacked a little bit more in the first round when he was not orthodox. He was able to skirt on the outside, get away from uh, Calvin's power shot, the left hand, um, but also just presented uh, some difficulties for Calvin. You know, once he switched stance, you know, obviously with your dominant hand, he was using the, the right jab a lot more. And ultimately in the third fight, he landed a big counter uh, right hook that dropped Gasolum. And it did seem... Like from the third round on, Gaslam kind of went back to his standard procedure of, you know, trying to throw a looping right hand to a, a left straight. And I think Cannoneer kind of saw that coming and was able to present different options for him, steal some rounds away from him. And, you know, at the end of the day, it was like, you know, Gaslam didn't look bad. He looked good, especially in the first couple rounds. In the second round, he, he took that round. But it did seem like while Cannoneer was able to kind of evolve and change up the strategy in the fight, Gasolum didn't. He kind of stayed, you know, as the fight wore on, he got more predictable. He started switching things up less and less. 
And I think another big takeaway was I, I think Gaslam could have won this fight if he was able to implement his wrestling a little bit more. Um, I do think you have to give Cannonier some credit there. I think him being a very big, strong guy, a guy that used to fight at heavyweight, um, Calvin got some good shots, and especially I think it was in the fifth round, late in the fifth round, he got a clean double on him, like scooped in, had his balance completely off, but just by pure strength um, and, and a little bit of technique, Cannonier was able to kind of buck off some of these takedown attempts. And, and you know, in one instance, I think it was in the fourth round where Gaslam was able to take him down. Kenny Near got right back up, um, and there was some commentary about DC saying, like, oh, like, I guess the official fight metrics didn't count that as a takedown, and DC's like, well, amateur wrestling, that would count as a takedown. But, you know, me and Bob talked about in the office, you know, I think amateur wrestling score scoring and, uh, you know, mixed martial arts scoring is a little bit different. I think we all agree. A takedown doesn't really count unless you can glue that guy's ass to the ground for at least, like, uh, 20 seconds. I mean, it's, you know, no, like, that, that, it shouldn't count for that. You got to do something. With it, you gotta. Uh, that's not effective grappling. It's right there. I mean, I think so, taking someone down. No, no, I'm not talking about my opinion. I'm talking about the yeah. definition the, the, the of a, yeah, rules, the rules. Yeah, I, I do not. I, I have no patience for the commentators not understanding how this shit's judged. They're getting paid money. That's I don't. Fair. DC carping on some bullshit takedown. I mean, Connor calling DC unprofessional was the highlight of all this past couple weeks for me because I'm like. I don't. I don't agree with you necessarily, but DC does some. Is a little bit. Of, is a little bit unprofessional at times. Just a little bit, you know. I don't know. Just my two cents. He's uh, also a professional fighter and not a, a guy that has just been doing broadcast commentary well, I mean, his whole life. So I give them a little leeway. I mean, in a world where in a world of rules of the sport that you were fighting in. To be fair, until what was that? Three or four weeks ago, when you read the rules, none of us. Really I'm not going to pay. If you paid me, to, if you paid me to do that, um, also. In fairness, I'm, that wasn't my. He probably should have known the rules when he was fighting that whole time too. True, I mean, that seems relevant. Um, Jared Cannonier was was up against uh, right up to getting a title shot before he lost to uh, Robert Whitaker. Um, nice bounce back win for him here. He said he was broke on Saturday after he won, which is what financially. financially is what you need to hear from a guy who's just in the main event of your card that was on regular fucking ESPN. You know, and, and not his first main event either. Yeah, um, he hadn't fought in about eight to uh, ten months. It sounds like, but still. And he clarified what broke meant, and he just said, "I would like to get paid like an elite level athlete." And we all said, "We know that's not the clarification anybody needed." We're all aware about how little you guys all get paid. Uh, those of us on this podcast, though, um, have lost sympathy for the UFC fighters because, well, y'all could have said something about it. Oh, let Leslie Smith go out there and die for your sins. Who was that poor kid who was pushing for re uh, unionization and they made him fight like one after one Dagestani after another? Um, Cajun Johnson? Motherfucker was just getting thrown in the air like a pizza pie every four months because he had the audacity to push for unionization. But cool. You guys all want to get paid now. So. Let's see how many they're people, all, see how many people don't it. show up for the uh, six-figure tough contract. They're all you doing know. it in weird ways, though. Like, instead of saying, hey, let's unionize, they're all just, like, complaining about being poor. Yeah. Misha said she gave up 98% of her check. No. Which, that was enough that I was like, That's Misha, nice. some of this might be on your poor money management yeah, skills. Yeah, I, I was about to say, 98%? Really? Yeah, that is that is not. Your profit margin on this whole game is not good. Um, Cannoneer says between taxes and stuff, it's about 60. But when you're an independent contractor, I buy 60 overall. Being your cost with a bunch of stuff, so 
Anyway, um, we'll see if anybody gets paid. Probably not, because, you know, a bunch of people watch these events, and it apparently doesn't matter who's on the main event. Well, you showed us, uh, isn't the guy that's running Endeavor, Airy, whatever? He's like, he's, he's, he's very he's smart. Seems, he seems to be the only one who's profiting yeah. off this stuff. Him and uh, the other guy, the, 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 I think it's Patrick Whitesell's the other one, were like, they pretty much just invented, like, this thing IPO'd, and all the value of the UFC part of the company increased. So they're all printing money over there. So cool. Um, anyway, um, Gastelum's fine. They're not cutting him, I don't think. Right? I mean, not off of that. Um, I mean, he's lost five or six, but I if he got cut, it'd be insane to me. And Bob, didn't he have a hard time making weight, too? I mean, he at had this, to, at this weight class. Well, he had to do it like a, he had to do the towel. He had to like come back in an hour or something. He wasn't like he was ten pounds I'm, over. But he was like one pound. But, over. But I mean, like okay, if you have to do it twice and take a towel when you're doing one eighty, I, I think that's part of his issues, right? I think I think they won't the let skill, him go to one seventy. Well, I mean, no, they won't. No they won't two. let him go. Bobby, he barely made one eighty five. Well, he wants to fight it once. Honestly, but he's too small for this weight class. That's what I'm saying. But like, he's he's undis he's too undisciplined to make well, I mean, I one seventy. We, we had what's his name was the goddamn flyweight champion. He missed weight like three times on his way to the title shot, and one of the title shots he had to they had to redo because he missed weight. He's not the only person with bad like weight issues, and he's been. Well, I mean, they we're, forced not, we're not saying he's the only one. But no, I'm not saying he's like, like he says the UFC won't let him, and it's like there's no consistency. Like he's a middleweight now for what five years, something like how many years into this are we? Like, Tyron Woodley's uh, prime came and went in this whole time. <laughs> I think he's been in the UFC maybe six, seven years at this point. Yeah, but he's been yeah, a middleweight. So. They made him move up at some point, right? Like, that was the thing. He was fighting at welterweight. Yeah, but, I mean, uh, Bob, to, to your point, though, can you really blame them when he just had a hard time making 185? And I think I, I kind of agree with what Mike was saying. Like, there's a discipline problem here, and I think it's affecting his career because I think if he was able to cut the, you know, drop the weight and be 170, which I, I think we would agree, you know, it's hard to say, like, oh, that's his right weight class. You know, like, these guys kind of kill themselves to get into, the, you know, 170, I think, would be very difficult for him to do. But I think it's feasible given his, you know, height. He's 5'8". You know, how he's built. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think there's been, I think, there, isn't there guys like 5'11 and like 145? Like, you can do it. No, I know. Look, the middleweight champion not is like not a big guy cut. right now. But, like, it's very clear. Like, I don't know. I think the guy has done his time at 185 enough, and if you're going to invest in him, and he if he can, I don't know, make him do a test cut, which I know, like, probably costs a lot of money for him. But, I mean, if he, like, if he does it and he tells you if they guarantee him, at least they'll give him a fight, like, because he said he wants 170. He's been saying it for years. Honestly, I think if he had that kind of goal, it would force him maybe to be more disciplined. When at 185, he doesn't need to be that disciplined. I mean, Bob, you know what you do? Next fight, you're 180. I can make. I, I can't. I can barely make 185. What am I? Yeah, but they don't, they don't do that shit in the start, UFC. He starts coming in at 180. The UFC is gonna be like, okay, we ha we can't have you being five pounds less than the than guys are fighting. About. Oh, you're okay. saying just do it? Yeah, just come in. Yeah, you're losing. You lost five or six, man. I think you just got to do. I mean, I don't think you need to give up more weight to these guys. Yeah, who are bigger I, than you. I think. I think that's part of his problem. Is like, I think he needs to be at 170, so he's getting you know because like the cannoneer fight he couldn't take him down because i think it was purely strength Look, it's size. like okay I, i'm a big guy so let me put it in terms maybe fellow big guys will understand here okay <laughs> if i gotta if i know i gotta wear something right and i have to be trimmed down enough to fit in those clothes it is motivation to you know to, to, to do better granted if i did lose weight in general i would look better right but if I have a different set of clothes that are a little bit bigger and I can still fit in that where I can put a little less effort in, I'm not saying I'll definitely go for those, but 
I mean, they're there. Once I hit that number, but, you know. But the issue here, Bobby, is that like, okay, he wants again these pair of jeans, but he can't. Eat, he's barely fitting in the one eighty five jeans. He's not gonna fit in the one. Look, I mean, you know, you got you fit in the jeans. You fit in the jeans, man. I mean, at a certain point, oh, wait, he's not fitting in the jeans. He's not fitting the one seventy <laughs> jeans. He fit. They fit in the one eighty five jeans. We gotta. I'm just saying, if there's only the one hundred seventy pound jeans available to him. My man, could, I, I mean, we'll fight. We'll fight. Look, he's lost five or six. Let's fucking go for it. If not, he can fight in Bellator in the Paul Daly division at one seventy-five. Like, that let's. Would be, that'd be great. That'd be. I <laughs> I feel that what we're doing here, maybe more Mark and I than than you, Bobby, because you're more open to this, is that this feels like a continuation of a discussion we had last week on narratives that we get in our head on a particular person that are very hard to shake yeah and for us we still have a narrative in our head of kelvin gasnum when he was 23 24 years old he could not lay off when he made 180 taco he couldn't lay off his mother's tacos and enchiladas and just could not hit 170 to save his life Maybe now that he's like 29 or 30 years old, maybe he is disciplined. I mean, he lives in L.A., man. Like, I don't know. You got to be a fitness freak there. Maybe he wants to be like those people. You Give the man a chance. Take away the larger jeans. Game changer, okay? Game changer. I'm really committed to this jeans analogy because I can apply it to my own life. Also, I talked about enchiladas. I kind of want an enchilada now. Look, like, my man, I, I tried to get lunch today on multiple occasions. with It just failed. So let's not too much, talk too much about food. I'm currently operating off of fucking uh, Pirate's Booty and some jerky. So um, UFC's back next week. Uh, Pirate's Booty. You don't know Pirate's? It's kind of like a cheddar a popcorn. popcorn type thing. You never had Pirate's uh, Booty? I was like, no. I mean, I know what Pirate's Booty is like treasure, not like a food. I mean... I think there was context. It might be, a, might be a West Coast thing for yeah. all we know. I don't know. Um, Edson Barboza, Giga Chikadze. Um, we'll make our picks for that later in the show, along with our pick for um, the big fight on Showtime with Moro. Mama Mia! Ronaldo. Um, Going to be on that broadcast with like seven other people. Uh, yeah, it's a, full oh, it's a lot of I don't know how many of them are. Like, I mean, Ariel, I guess, is doing some of it, but he's also going to be in, the, in there. But uh, Paul and uh, Woodley are throwing down. We, we got Diaz and Mero for the last Paul fight. Do we got him for this fight? I mean, last fight was not the Paul fight. It was the Mayweather fight. That's why they were there. Paul and... <laughs> no, I Paul know, but we, didn't, we don't refer to that as the Paul fight. That, that is the Mayweather fight. This was the Paul fight. <laughs> He's the A-side. Um, we'll talk about that. Um, got some news that happened this week, though. Um, got a couple fight bookings. Misha Tate, Ketlin Vieira. I mean, when you only got 2% of that paycheck, I guess you got to fight again real quick, huh? Big fight too. That that's a yeah. that's a contender fight. Ketlin was on a bit of a roll before losing to Yana Kunitskaya, but she's very mm-hmm. the champ. I mean, look, I mean, Misha's not being that champion, but she got to win these fights if she wants to take that ass kicking again. I guess. Um, we also Speaking have of Misha. Do you think that ninety eight percent includes the amount that uh, Brian Caraway stole from her? It's part of the ATV cost. That, that was like a very <laughs> unnecessary thing to bring up right dig, there. Dig. Just, <laughs> my he, was, dig. He, he was really nice to us. He's in the intro of the podcast. Yeah, you, you know what though? Like he, I, when we met him, he was kind of like, he, he wasn't letting get Misha a lot of t- a lot of words in. He was kind of dominating that conversation. <laughs> it was like, you know what? Of the two successful people we're talking to right here, there's one and that had a belt. He, had, he and, was and, kind and enough to be in our intro. Hey, we cannot allow the fact that he's in our intro for that to sully our 
journalistic integrity of taking unwarranted shots. Yo, we've been on the Court <laughs> McGee train just from running into Court McGee for years. Okay? Court McGee is a hero, okay? <laughs> we do not disparage Court McGee. We just pull- True. Brian, True. I still appreciate you being in our podcast intro. And you know what? If I had a way to talk to other fighters, you probably wouldn't be anymore. But you know what? We appreciate that you're still there. Um, another fight announcement. Uh, Overeem, in between saying homophobic stuff, um, is now fighting in glory. And they're like, hey, man, you haven't kickboxed in 10 years? Um, it's, it's, seriously, it's seriously been 10 years. Um, you know what you think? You know, we don't want to get, 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 have you get warm or anything. Nah, man. Fight the fucking champ. Rico Verhoeven. Um, the best heavyweight kickboxer in the world, Marcus, is going to put those hands on Overeem. Now, wait, do you think Overeem signed a contract or it wasn't in his contract? I get title shot, first shot. <laughs> Overeem just trying to get belts, man. He just wants belts. He wants belts. He wants belts. Belt, He's just checking boxes, man. He's probably going to take an ass. I mean, look, I, lo- I love Overeem. It'll be interesting to see him in kickboxing, but like this is a tough matchup. I would like to see a little it's hard to you know, hit Rico. It's hard strong. to hit Rico, too. Like, Rico's yeah. very good. It's, I mean... And honestly, I, I think uh, we we learned this today that Badr Hari is coming off of a loss, um, and he's fighting on L- Labor Day. I would have waited to see what I would have had him fight Badr Hari. Like that's the one to make, right? I know Rico's good and all, but Badr Hari is still the biggest name, I think. I mean, I'm pretty sure it was. We want to get a title shot out of this guy. If he fights Badr Hari, that might jeopardize. What's uh, Tyron? Tyron Spong's not kickboxing anymore, though, huh? He's only doing boxing, Actually, is what it seems like. When I yeah, when I I. I I don't know if he had another match after he broke his leg with that low kick. I'm not getting man. I mean, you snap your leg like a twig. You don't necessarily want to kickbox again. But I think Tyron and Reem running it back would have been fun too. That first matchup was entertaining. I think there's a lot of interesting matchups for. I know I miss Glory, and um, I don't know where it's been. And if we remember Marcus, we should try to watch Rico. um, At least find some clips of it, because I'm not. I mean, Rico. I mean, of course that fight, but also the um, Vader fight. Well, let me tell you one place where Glory is very active in my life. My Facebook feed. Oh. <laughs> Anytime I go to Facebook, is, is that, I'm looking is that at where it's uh, broadcasting from. Well, no, it's like I just looked through. It's like, oh, here's a bunch of people I never talked to in years. Hey, Glory has a, a a video here of like the ten best knockouts, and I guess they got the K1 uh, library because they, they show a lot of old K1 stuff too. I enjoy it. Um, I like that fight. Um, yeah, and Overeem doesn't uh, should probably not call things gay. It's 2021. Uh, I mean, yeah, I get uh, it. I mean, uh, we all we all like the Reem, but there's no there's no real excuse for that. I mean, we know what you mean. We all grew up. Yeah. We all grew up in the '90s here, so we get what you mean. But there's no excuse at this point. He's had too, he's had too many years of being in front of a camera to not have any type of. There's media that too. Sense. The best part of the clip is Ariel goes, "Oh, don't say that, Alistair." <laughs> oh, don't say that. <laughs> now I don't know if Alistair really. If it comprehended in his head that like it was the word choice that was a problem, not that he like didn't like pro wrestling, which was the conversation. Like he's he's not a fan of pro wrestling. Fair, I think his criticisms fair. Besides using that word, these are opinions that. Well, are totally then he went after he went after Brock Lesnar for steroids, and I'm like, what? <laughs> that was a weak argument. Was, honestly, wow. the gay thing is this has taken away from that nonsense. That's the part that makes me think he has CTE. Like, man, we, you're you're a comic book character. Um. Yeah, but I like him kickboxing, man. Kickboxing should be a place. I mean, I, w- I, I wish kickboxing was a bigger deal in this country because yeah. I really think people who bitch about MMA and the ground stuff, I'm like, well, there you go. This shit's three rounds. They're just throwing heat. That's it. There's no, there's no fucking. They're not getting loose out there, you know. They're just throwing heat in kickboxing. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, just never really got a foothold. I mean, K1 
kind of had it because they were on ESPN. They were doing uh, basically K1 does a bunch of tournaments around the world. People who win their regional tournament get into the K1 Grand Prix. They have a big opening tournament that kind of slots a lot of people off. If you've been in the Grand Prix last year, I mean, there's it's I mean, interesting where, where are we at with the Grand Prix? I mean, is, it, uh, is the last one still Krokop? Did somebody win one after Krokop? Oh, I don't remember. I don't think Krokop was the they, last one. They, 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 did, they did a K1 Grand Prix and Krokop won it. Didn't he? This was like two years ago. Sure. I'm Maybe. Gonna, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because K1 is not <laughs> K1 is not K1 anymore. I I watch a lot of K1 still. Like it has turned into a regional circuit. It, it does not nearly have the stretch. It doesn't have a lot of international talent. They don't go past I think like 170 70 pounds in glory. Because I think glory kind of just absorbed all their heavyweight talent, and they've kind of been the, the main um, you know marching force when it comes to you know high level kickboxing. And I think there's been I don't. I don't know what he won the Grand Prix in 2012. God, was that long ago? Maybe that was that. Wow. Was that really that long ago? I, I, I feel Krokop didn't retire that long ago from the UFC, but okay. Um, he beat a bunch of people. He beat Ismail, Lont, Pavel, Jarovlev, Jarrell Miller, all in one night. Yeah, I think this is uh, after Glory had sucked they up a lot. They did three fights in one fucking night, huh? They yeah, 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 it's tough. I mean, Reem, Reem did it too when he won. Uh, you know, it's a tough tournament. Reem, Reem got a nice. Uh, Reem, uh, that that it worked that, out well. That's a big part. Well, of Reem it, beat you know? um, Gokansaki. No, no, he beat. Mm -hmm. No, he, Gok he, didn't beat, he beat Gokan second. Who did he beat first? Was it the Australian cat or was it Spong? It might have been Spong. Yeah, I'm not sure. It might. Whoever he beat. Goki was beat up. Yeah, because Goki uh, uh, or Gokansaki went with like a broken arm. It looked like mm -hmm. or something, and Reem kicked him. And like he kind of kicked yeah, him in the arm. Die in that one. Yeah, that was it. And then we were all sitting there. Way I mean, by the way, this is uh, it's kickboxing, amazing, whatever. That's our new podcast. I was gonna say, like we're getting deep in this. But uh, dude, K one was fun, man. I'm a uh, semi shilt versus uh, Overeem was what we all wanted because semi's six mm. ten, I think, mm -hmm. and Overeem was powered by every Mexican supplement known to mankind. Um, but semi couldn't beat Peter Ertz. Yeah. Nope. Peter Ertz just finds a way. Peter Ertz was like a hundred years old. <laughs> And he beat Semi in uh, Semi Shield in the semifinals. And then old ass Peter Ertz just stood in front of Overeem, exhausted, and it was just hit three, four times, and we were done. But I mean, he won it. Oh, the good old days. Yeah. Fuck. Oh, let's watch some K one. That's what we're doing uh, next time. Never stop. Yeah. We're gonna, we're gonna watch that. What's that guy you told me? One more thing. The guy you told me about who said it's like all he threw his hooks. Young Tyson, basically, he was like uh oh, uh, Mike Zambidis or something. Yeah, just go on I mean, YouTube, folks. Now, but... Just just go, just YouTube this motherfucker. Throw heat in these highlight clips. Oh, uh, watch him fight uh, Kid Yam You know the, the late great Kid Yamamoto. I mean, we're telling you to watch K One. You're all MMA fans. It was Mark Hunt versus Ray Sefo. All right, just okay. watch that fight. Last last K One right. plug. If you do subscribe to the YouTube channel, which is all Japanese, they do a oh, chef's kiss. <laughs> What they do is they'll have an event on Saturday, Sunday morning. They got a video of all the knockdowns. <laughs> knockdowns? Like, just, just the knockdowns. Woo! Just the shit you want to see. That's like a, It's a 12-minute video. Boom, bang, boom. I'm good. You know what? MMA is too mainstream now, guys. We're turning into a kickboxing podcast. Fuck this. We're going to go have some fun. Um, all right. Some other news and notes. Um, this is going to be important, this podcast, where I'm just talking about wrestling for a significant amount of time. Which... Yep. Those of you who should watch, I really think at this point, the news in the last week are going to know why. Um, yeah, those are the fight announcements, though. Reem and Rico, Misha and Ketlin Vieira. We got um, 
Al Jermaine and um, Peter Yan are official for that Abu Dhabi pay-per-view, which is free. Uh, it's going to be the same card as um, Glover Teixeira versus Yan, uh, Jan Blahovich. So, um, Gable Stevenson is out here playing the WWE against the UFC daily. Um, and Bellator also. And then um, I said maybe AEW. And Gable Stevenson today said, I've never been approached by AEW I've never wanted to reach out to AEW. My goal is to get to the WWE and be a big superstar. My goal is to get to the UFC and be a big superstar, which I feel if I'm Scott Coker, I'm a little offended because Gable came to your event and you were nice to him. Um, my favorite thing I read though, the, to the response to this guy, this guy saying that was someone said, have from, have fun, bro. They'll ha- they're going to have you scooping up dog shit or something on Monday Night Raw, which <laughs> was. <laughs> Big start. That's a big start. Um, it was a rough. It was both a good and bad weekend for the WWE folks. Um, Tyron Woodley's getting a TV show, guys. Created by the people who make Little Dicky's TV show. Little uh, Dicky? Um, the other guys. Dave. The, uh, one, the ones who, you know, turn Little Dicky's stuff into a real TV show. They shape it for him. Um, I'm just going to stop doubting Tyron Woodley's ability to do whatever he wants. Like, he, I mean, he may not be the best at everything, but he just finds a way, man. I'm being this movie. I'm put out this rap album. I'm gonna have a segment on TMZ. You know, I'm gonna get the biggest paycheck of my life to box some, you box some YouTube kid. You know, I may not win all these things, but I don't know if he plays basketball. But the dude's great at pivoting. Dude, honestly, I, I Tyron Woodley, Tyron Woodley is the best hustler this sport might have ever seen. Just his ability to just like find a way. You know. Just find a way to get it, put himself out there. There, There's not many wrestlers slash fighters who will be able to say, I've come out to my own song on on the walkout. <laughs> sure. We've got, we've got Chris Jericho with uh, Judas, and this Saturday, Tyron Woodley with I'll Beat Your Ass. Yeah. I'll, be, I'll, I'll, be, I'll beat your ass for real. That's, what, that's the chorus. Um, yeah. Um, Kayla Harrison was on PFL this past week. Just beating the crap out of that poor woman. Um, she had a hell of a week because she was on the uh, the media call. I'm not sure you guys heard this story. Where um, I guess the um, person she was fighting, whose name I don't have in front of me at the moment. Um, Got to find that. I guess she is uh, quite attractive. Um, at least according to the person on the press conference asking the question about... Pretty much asking her, asking her what it's like to be hot and fight. In better terms than that is what they were asking. And then uh, Kayla Harrison was like, hey, man, would you ask these questions to a dude? And then it got real awkward. And then she really pressed the motherfucker on it. Um, and then she went out there, took this woman down, punched a hole in her face, and then got on the microphone. And um, she's pretty good, honestly, about talking shit. Um, Mike is Googling the woman she fought. Um, at the moment, um, but yeah, um, I, she's just, you know, shows up three, four, four times a year, Mark makes a million dollars and goes home is what it seems like. She shows up for that PFL season, wins a million dollars and goes home. I mean, my understanding is she, she's in the finals now, right? This was like a semifinal yeah, fight but or she's, something. I mean, yeah, but come on. I mean, <laughs> well, I mean, she wasn't the number one seed, right? This well, that, woman got higher points. Or yeah. Well, if you, if you get finishes, the earlier you get finishes, the more points you get. There that's the seating is based so. on. Um, PFL needs to hang on to her with both hands. And I don't know if the UFC will ever pay a woman enough money 
like just to show up and run a division they don't care about. She's forty five, right? One forty five. I think she might be fighting at fifty five. But I she, think you're right. But forty five. Right. But she says forty five is no problem for her. Okay. Um, there's one woman in that division, though. I know, but it's a big fight. That's a big fight. Uh, I mean, if you can get, I mean, if I'm the UFC, I spend whatever amount of money. Honestly, that's one of those things they'll never do. But this would be a good cross promotional thing. They'll never do it. But like, if there was ever a time to do it, it's in this weight class you don't care about, and it's clear they don't care about Amanda. Like they don't promote Amanda on any level. She's been champion for what four or five years. Let's just take a let's do it. You know, it'd be fun. That'd be a really fun fight. Yeah, I'd love to. See just it. whatever you do, you put a clause that if she loses, you got to do a immediate rematch in the UFC. Do one of those things. You know, tag about the top. I, I would. I, I would like to see. I would like to see a fight where Amanda Nunes just gets tried. Someone's trying to take her down at will, and is better at doing it than anybody else. So. Um. All right. Um. Before we make our picks, just shout out to Brendan Schaub. Um, not sure you guys saw that crazy story. Um, Mm -hmm. some dude was driving his car with his kids in it and intentionally tried to end it all. And these kids survived. Mike, just slight correction. Um, the uh kids were in the car with the mother, and the guy ran into them. I thought all four of them were in the same car. Am I wrong? I could be no, wrong. I thought while you're talking. Let me just double check. No, I this. thought it was yeah. a one. I thought it was a single car accident. That's why I didn't know. Well, it, they ran into a big rig. Right. Okay, he was on the right. wrong and side. You know what? You're right. Yeah, you're he was right. trying I'm to sorry. do like a. No, so they were on one car, car, right? Oh, so yeah. Okay. So he tried to end it all, and like uh, the mom died. I don't know if this guy died. Yeah. Um, don't want to say. I hope I he did. He did. But come on, man. Did you hear Shab talk about it? I can't listen. I can't listen to Shab talk. I'm trying to be nice here. The only thing I listened to. I, mean, <laughs> I, I was going to say the same Dude, thing. Like, he was listen, a hero. Not... You couldn't hear it straight from the horse's mouth. Have you heard listened to this man talk? Like, it's not good. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I agree, Bob. It's rough. But in this context, he's I've never seen somebody adapt the L.A. douchebag vibe so effortlessly. But go ahead, Mark. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Like, I was going to say, like, you know, happy for Shab and his success, but like not a fan of, you know, his body of work. Um, but I did hear the story, and he basically said that, you know, he was driving along the freeway with his girlfriend. They were about to go. They are doing date night or whatever, and he saw this big, big rig was, like, jackknifed on the street. So he he, um, he drove by them, and he was going to drive by, but he saw this other car that was smashed up, and there was a kid on top of the roof of the car, and he was, like, trying to wave people down. So when he saw the kid, he was like, oh, I got to help. So like he said he ran over there, and then he saw, like, when he was running over, the, the dad or whatever, he had, like, crossed the street, and he was, like, running back to the car. <laughs> He was running back to the car, and he got hit by another fucking car. I only laugh because this guy's funny. like, I mean, this but, guy's a douche. Yeah. I mean, he tried to kill his fucking family, like, yeah, good riddance. But yeah, Shop's talking like he's running. He sees him cross the street in some car like, going 60 miles per hour, just whacks this dude. And he's like, well, I can't help this guy. These kids are in trouble. But yeah, so he gets to the car. This kid's on top of the roof, and he says like, oh, I have two younger siblings in the car. Can you help them get out? And Shop was talking about you know, the, 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 the car door was jammed, so he had to like rip the car door. He, like, he was trying to rip the door off, and it couldn't because it was jammed in. So he smashed the window, and he was taking the kids out. And that's when he noticed the uh, big rig truck with, had gasoline, and his gasoline was just like all over the fucking place. So he was like, shit, I, don't, like, I could fucking die. Like This all could just explode at any minute. We're all just toast. Um, but yeah, he got, he got the kids out. Um, he noticed when he was taking, I guess it was like a three-year-old or something. Um, he noticed in the front seat, you know, the mom was there and she obviously like passed away. Like, it, I mean, he was talking about like this brain matter and shit, like yeah. some Pulp Fiction shit going on. Um, and then he, I guess he was like handing the kids off to someone else that came and he told them like, don't, 
don't go across the street because like they'd see the mom like take him further yeah down he's and, like like the kids are asking if his mom's okay and he's just like no don't worry yeah. you're fine we're just don't worry don't look over there we're just really i mean the guy gets a lot of shit for being a general moron um but that was really nice really great of him to do that i'm not sure everybody would have acted the same way especially with no, those gasoline yeah. you know we all have to say yeah. we and do he something even like said, that like he's in his head, he was like, I have kids. Like, why am I doing this? Yeah, but, you know, that was sometimes... date night for his with his girl because he had two kids now, I guess. And, like, they were trying to get some time away. And this is what happened. <laughs> like, Yeah, but, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, whatever you think of him, you know, entertainment-wise, you know, we're not a fan of his comedy or, or his podcast or whatever. And it is totally fine if you are or whatever. But, like, you know, this is something that goes beyond that. And you have to give – tip a, a cap, you All know. good props in the world. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that, that's a heroic thing that, you know, I don't know. I don't think I'd be doing the same thing. I'd be like, you know what? Let me, yeah. let me call this one in. Let's get some professionals here because, you know, that, that's tough. I, that's uh, that's, that's going to stick with them. There's a, uh, a subreddit for his podcast, but it's really just people making fun of him and uh, the show itself. And, like, I just – they posted this on there and I was laughing because the top comment was, hell of a face turn by Shab. Hell of a face turn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it made me laugh quite a bit. But, yeah, uh, props to the man. Um, all right. Uh, let's make a couple picks. Um Edson Barboza is taken on Giga Chikadze. Um, Edson Barboza, you don't, you don't have to explain who Edson Barboza is to people. He's been doing this in the UFC now since 2010. Um, coming off of um, that fight with Shane Burgos where she like he knocked him out, but it was the delayed reaction. Like it just like took the man a second to just tip over. Crazy. Uh, before that, beat Matt, Matt Claude, Amir Khan, he, um Had a stretch there where he was losing a couple split decisions. Which I'm not sure anybody thought he actually lost either of those fights. Um, especially that Felder one. Didn't think necessarily that Iggy one, you know, he deserved to get on the short end of. Um, I was telling you earlier today, Mark, how we're all really going to miss Edson when he's gone. Because every one of these fights of his, I was looking at the betting lines. They're all like minus 170. He does not get put in fights where like he's supposed to win easily. Or, you know, it's just all like this shit's going to be close. And they always are just bangers. Um... Giga Chikadze is coming off of just a dismantling of Cub Swanson. Just fucked him up in a minute and three seconds. Body kick, punches. Um, he is one, two, three, four, five, six and zero oh in the UFC. Thirteen and two overall with eight knockouts, one submission, four decisions. Um, betting line for this one. Does anybody have it? I realize I didn't assign this job to anybody, and I put it in the group chat. Though. Uh, I do not. I thought they were both minus, right? Weren't they both favorites yeah, or something? They're both. Well, here's, here's the odds. We got Edson at minus 115. Um, Giga Chikadze at minus 105, making Edson a slight favorite over him. Um, they're both minus because the casino's got to get paid. Um, I'm going to take Edson Barboza. I, I'm normally, I know I'm all about picking like the young prospect that's on a run and shit. I just think Edson's on a different level than a lot of these guys. I'm looking on this guy's record. And sure, he smoked Cub. Nobody smokes Edson. If he does, props to him. Um, I think a healthy, a healthy dose of getting like a fucking tree trunk slammed into your thigh for a couple rounds is going to adjust a lot of what we think about this guy, good or bad. So I got Edson. Mark, who do you got? Yeah, I'm going with Edson too. Uh <laughs> You make up some good points. You know, look, looking back at Edson's, I was kind of looking like, okay, how does he do against strikers? And it's kind of all over the place because his career has been – I mean, look, he was fighting at 155 for like 30 fights in the UFC, mm -hmm. and fighting like the tip-top 
you know, guys in probably the one of the most like talent rich pools that they have. Um, and, and since he's moved to, to uh, featherweight, he's been doing pretty good. You know, he did lose his first fight against uh, Dan Iggy or a guy, whatever. Uh, but it was a close fight too. So you know, I have to give you know just the wealth of experience um, to Edson. Although it does look like um, he got is like kind of hitting a stride. You know, his last two fights, he won the first round. They were both performance of the night. So you know, confidence is going to be super high. But I just don't know if he's. I, I don't see. I mean, Cub Swanson's a fantastic scalp to have on your resume, but like it, it, it doesn't really reflect in what Edson's done and the guys that he's competed with, the guys that he's beaten. Um, Cubs, Cubs got a weird fight. career too, where Cubs got a bunch of like a couple losses here or there, where somehow this motherfucker who's durable as hell went down in like a minute and a half. Like he's got a few, like a couple get caught early in a fight too. Not to discount what this guy did, but <laughs> it's not the same as Edson, which who does it normally takes a while if you're going to beat Edson Barbosa. It's not going to be an easy night at the office. Sure, yeah, but I, I do have Edson. I think he's going to be able to pull this one off. Mike. Yeah, outside of that weird flash knock uh, knockdown that uh, Donald Cerrone got against Edson like seven years ago, yeah, he's n historically been pretty durable. I have Barboza in this fight as well. Um, the last fight that Edson had a lot of trouble in, and not surprising, it was against Khabib Nurmagomedov. Uh, that was a while ago. Um, this isn't. He's not fighting a wrestler um, in. Like like Habib was, and at thirty five at thirty five years old, uh, Edson is still a monster in the stand up. So I'm going with Edson. Uh, Steph never sent him his picks, so well, he'll get until he tells me otherwise, I am picking the opposite of whatever we do for him. That's not how this works. He gets an automatic yeah, L until he makes a pick. He gets an automatic L. Yeah, I mean, nor well, how it normally works is, uh, you know, you get your picks up. Well, I mean, in fairness, we, we, we don't you, have a hard. You got deadline. you got your yeah. We have no hard deadline. Um, we're also going to pick the Tyron Woodley Jake Paul fight. Um, yeah. Jake Paul is the. I, th I think I looked at this line with you, Mark, and we both thought that's appropriate. Overall, this line makes sense to us. No one's getting too wild one way or another. Um, it looks like the betting line for this one. We got a two to one favorite with Mr. Paul. Um, he's minus two ten to Tyron Woodley's plus one sixty five. Um, Jake Paul, I want to say they're the same size, roughly. Like, oh no, Jake, Jake's, Jake's, taller. Jake's taller. Okay, Jake's 6'1", 24 years old. I think, I think he probably weighs more too, potentially. I mean, I mean, Woodley's probably not cutting to make this, but Jake Paul's mo so far with his boxing matches is let's pick guys that either wrestle and are way smaller than me. So like, he's he's scouting right. I don't. I mean, this isn't Ben Askren. And then he's fighting somebody that's inept, though. No. I mean, this is a man who had some... This man survived 10 rounds with a fucking undefeated kickboxer. Just putting that out there. I know it's a different sport, but, like, uh, Wonder Boy is what I meant. Oh, okay. okay. I was like... I, was like, I, I was got a look on your face. Good. I'm like, let me specify, because if Mark doesn't remember. I was, I was, I was half beyond. And he, dro he, dro was he dropped that fucking kickboxer, too. Um, but, Mike, how, how far ahead of me are you now? Because I've been doing some wild picks here. It's not going well. I am three ahead of you. We shouldn't have the guy in first place also be the one keeping score. Um, Mike, who do you got? All right, so first off, since Steph isn't here, I feel that Steph's picking someone Jake Paul. Let's be honest. Jay, Steph's going to pick Jake Paul. 
Find a question. Oh, no, no, no. I wasn't going to talk about the, the, the picks at the moment. I just mean that normally the MO has been whenever a Paul is Paul weekend, you know, Steph is going to be here to talk about how this is this is the new norm in boxing. The, this is the future. Uh, joke boxers like Jake Paul, you know, my man's not a joke. <laughs> and then Steph would probably say uh, he is not a joke. This is where we're going. This is the new paradigm shift in, in boxing. Um, even with that said, I'm picking Tyron Woodley. Look, he's still the man with the crispiest shape up in all of combat sports, right? Um, granted, I was off with my pick with uh, with Ben Askren. I Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I just assumed, well, he was a champion in something. He should be able to win. But in this case, Tyra Woodley actually has, you know, pretty good. Okay, not great stand-up. I'm not going to say he's an excellent boxer, but he's a much better boxer, I have to assume, than, than, uh, than Ben Askren. So as much as I think Tyra Woodley will win, I'm really hoping he'll win because fuck the Paul brothers. I, I'm I, I'm beyond fuck the Paul brothers. Whatever, man. This kid's a boxer. Good for him. He's getting paid. Whatever. Um, I got I although got, although I give him props for you know shitting on Dana White. Oh, he doesn't for the care. Last, like six months. He doesn't care. He's just doing it to shit on him. He doesn't give a fuck about these fighters. Um, I got I got the the kid. I got problem child. Jake Paul. I hope Tyron knocks his head off because I love. I mean, I love Tyron Woodley. There's no one in MMA I've made a bigger about face on than Tyron Woodley. I did not. I could not stand Tyron Woodley. And then something clicked in my head. Maybe I got became an adult and I realized certain things about this world. And I'm like, Tyron Woodley's the only motherfucker who gets it. He's the only one. <laughs> Maybe there was a couple of motherfucking belts around his waist. No, it wasn't that just that the... though. Like I just got it. I mean, the whole thing made sense to me at a certain point. Um, I I would not be even a little bit surprised if Tyron knocked him out. Like Tyron's really good, and he's not. He wasn't welterweight. He was welterweight champion not that long ago. It wasn't that long ago. Um, that being said, this kid's good. Kid's shown like he's got some skills. So I got Jake Paul. He's younger. So Mark, who do you got? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, I want to say like you know, I, I think the fights for Jake Paul are interesting because there's such a big unknown factor, right? I mean. For some people, I honestly with Ben Askren, I thought it was kind of a choke. It was it was it was a it was a t-ball setup for him on that one, and I wasn't surprised with the end result. Um, but this is the the leap that you'd want a young fighter to take. You know, like it's not someone that is a pure striker. It's not someone that's been you know is necessarily known for their boxing. I think Tyrone Woodley is known for his power and his big overhand right. You know, has won, won him a championship. That's how he beat Robbie Lawler. He landed that right hand. Um, and I think it's going to be his go-to here, but I think when we talk about the nuances of the sport, that right hand opens up a lot because of how he sets it up and he sets it up because he ducks under, like he's going to fucking shoot on you and he throws a big overhand, right? It confuses you. It's a setup. You know, he's not going to be able to do that in this fight because <laughs> I would imagine Jake Paul's not expecting to sprawl or have a takedown shot on him. Maybe he, he, he should take him down immediately. What the fuck not do first take a, take him down, lose a point. May cause some chaos. This is a this is gonna be fun anyway. I think they should do it immediately. No one's gonna DQ you. I, They're not gonna risk making this I, that I bad. That's not that's not the like. I mean, like it's it's against the rules of boxing, but I don't think it is a horrible idea for like if they get clinched up, 
he's trying to trip him and trying to, you know, maybe maybe in some of these where he ducks under a punch, you know, he does get under the legs and kind of flops him. And it happens. I mean, this kid also, Marcus, this kid is coming from the culture of like you own a motherfucker or you like, you know, you clown him or something. He's not going to be calling for a DQ or some bullshit or some shit like that if he gets taken down. He's going to look like a pussy. I think he should do it. I'm not. I'm not even making a joke anymore. He should absolutely yeah, I mean, do it. I, I, he should 100% do this. <laughs> I mean, I think it is one of those things that we talked about when Connor was well, playing. No, you know Floyd put some shit him. in the contract. You know Floyd put some shit in the contract. This kid didn't do that. You know he didn't. Come on, he doesn't seem that smart. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't. I, I think some of what you're saying. I think creating chaos and having it kind of be a circus show to get this guy kind of out of. Because I think. What Jake Paul has shown is that he has been training hard. I, I do believe he's training very hard for this. He's taking it seriously. I think he's getting grade A training because he has the money to put everything on hold and just be like, this is going to be my life for the next three months. This is I'm eat, sleeping and breathing this, this fight camp. And I think Woodley is a dangerous enough opponent that he knows he has to. Um, I am picking Jake Paul just because I don't think – I mean, Tyrone Woodley is is not really a great boxer. You know, what we've seen in the UFC, he has heavy hands. He has a great overhand right. And really the question is going to be, in these last three months, you know, has he been able to pick up the sweet science enough to 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 beat a guy that, you know, has only been doing it for like a year seriously, you know? And that's why I think it's, a, it's such a compelling matchup because I think this is much more in line with the skill set that I want to see Jake Paul tested against because I we, we know at this point he's athletic, he knows how to box. He can hit hard. But how does he do with someone that isn't completely inept? Because that's all he's been fighting. He's been fighting old backs, basketball stars and Ben Askren, who I don't know how he convinced the two of you that he was going to clinch and grapple and, and Homer Simpson his way into into a victory was, was foolish. You know, but... Ben walking out with a big grin on his face, all the money he made, didn't help my <laughs> confidence at all afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> But I, I do feel like this will be a more competitive fight. Um, and, you know, and, and like you, Bobby, like I'm not – this is a, a point I'll gladly lose in our predictions because I'd love to see Tyron Woodley, you know, put a beating on this kid and kind of show him that, you know, like it's not – you haven't mastered this thing. You're still very great. I mean, I'm telling you, your ego. And also the, the only thing we all care about, Mark definitely cares about it, the MMA fighters getting some revenge in this fucking bullshit. I really <laughs> Anderson's all we got. Let me tell you, man. Vitor is going to knock out, coked out Oscar De La Hoya. Let me tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm picking Vitor Belfort in that fight. I've already decided. If I need to know if there's drug testing or not. If there's no drug testing, I'm 100% taking Vitor. There's not even a question for that one. Um, So we both got Jake Paul. Um, Mm -hmm. All right. um, Let's just talk about some bullshit here, guys. Um, Well, I don't want to start off by calling it bullshit. But Marcus, let's talk about your stuff you like because you got a new member of the family, bro. Yes, I was just I was just about to write down. I talked about with Christine what I was going to say. So first and foremost, me and Christine did get a new puppy, Sadie. Uh, with Christine, Christine has been looking at puppies for the last two months. I knew this was coming eventually. Um, and I will say, you know, taking on a second dog, I was a little wary. Um, we got Xena when she was a puppy puppy. And puppy training is really tough. It's really taxing. Um Nights can be tough. Potty training is a huge hurdle to get over. So I wasn't super enthused about having to retrain another dog and going through some of the uh, you know stress it, it brings into your life. That being said, uh, this has been a very good transition. Um, Sadie is eight months old, so she's not quite puppy puppy, but she's still very much a young dog. She's not fully potty trained, and that's you know the biggest hurdle we're, we're dealing with right now is is working with her schedule, trying to teach her how to hold it. 
um, and, you know, trying to time those times where we can go down and she'll do her business outside. And that's just, it, it just takes time on both of our parts. You know, we have to get used to her rhythm. She has to get used to our schedule and when we're allowing to go out and that it's not okay to go inside. And it's just part of training a dog. And if you had a young puppy, you know, this is just pretty standard stuff, but it's been going very well. Zena has taken to Sadie very quickly. She's adopted the kind of big sister attitude, showing her kind of the ropes of, you know, what's, what's allowed. And, and honestly, it used to be our day-to-day was like making sure Zena had enough exercise and was tired and wasn't getting too rambunctious. And that's completely out the window because she's exhausted. And now it's, you know, really about getting Sadie, you know, enough energy out of her because um, she is a young pup. So it, it, we've been at it for three days. So it's going to be a bit of a learning curve. And, you know, excuse if you hear barks or Christine yelling at Sadie for going <laughs> potty or whatever, um, that will happen. But once you get over that hurdle too, I remember with Zena, you know, there was months where I was like, man, this is just like unbearable. You know, she's shitting inside the house. Every time I take her out, we're outside for 30 minutes and she won't go. And right when we go inside, she goes to the bathroom. But like the dog learns, you know, they, they do learn. They do get acclimated to it. So it is just kind of a learning curve. So if you're ever you know, curious about getting a puppy or something, just know, you know, it is rough. It's not easy going at first, but it does get easier. And once they get in sync, you know, it, it's really nothing at all. So uh, it, it'll be exciting to get Sadie to that point where, you know, we don't have to crate her all the time. She has a little bit more freedom in the house. We don't have to worry about her going bathroom, uh, but we're not there yet. So that's that's what's going on in that front couple other things I wanted to mention, um, just because it's on my mind. I think it was last week, Bob. We You you invited me to get the, the curry pizza. I've been hearing about oh, this yeah. curry pizza for a while. You know, I love Indian food. I like pizza. Why wouldn't the two go well together? Uh, Bobby, we had it in the office. It was like last week, right? Like Wednesday yeah. or something. We had it. And I really liked it. And I was like, oh, you know, Christine's going to like this too. She likes Indian food. This is going to go over well. And we didn't get the butter chicken when we got in the yeah. office. And Christine doesn't like cilantro. That pizza didn't have cilantro on it. So like, we don't have to tell them to not put anything on. So we got it. It was so fucking good. If, if you have a place that does curry pizza, I totally recommend yeah. it. It's a weird combination that does work really well. Yeah, Indian pizza, man. Uh, pretty good. And I know we got some people who are real pizza purists. Um, I get it. But um, if you're going to get chicken on a pizza, someone having the good sense to season it first, it makes everybody yeah. happier. Um, I think that's really kind of where you can look at it and be like, if you like a regular chicken pizza, this is just flavored chicken. <laughs> and, you know, I, and I think the sauce, they use the butter chicken sauce on this pizza. So it had a little spice to it. It had a little kick to it. And I love that. That was great. Yeah. Um, last, the last thing I do want to mention real quick is I used to talk about video games every week and it's, it's been a while, but this week's actually a pretty heavy week for video games. I'm kind of excited uh, coming out when you guys are listening to this. There's a game called, I think it's Alien Fireteam Elite. This is a three-person, third-person co-op shooter, kind of in the vein of like a Left 4 Dead or something, um, but set in the Aliens franchise. I was pretty interested in this one, very close to pulling the trigger. Reviews came out today. They're kind of mediocre, and I do think it's a $60 game. So I am thinking I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pump the brakes and wait for this guy to go on sale, because I do definitely think at some point, I think $40 or $30 price point is kind of the sweet spot for a game like this that doesn't have a lot of replayability. That is kind of, you're going to go through the campaign once, that's probably going to be it. Um, there's not much of a story to it. It is really, you know, get with two other buddies and have fun blasting aliens. Um, hopefully it lasts as long as the campaign lasts. Um, so I'm going to hold off on that, but a game that is coming out on Wednesday that I'm very excited about, reviews also came out, it's reviewed very well, is uh, Psychonauts 2. Now, this is the sequel to Psychonauts from uh, Double Fine. Uh, Tim Schafer, who 
made all the classic point-and-click adventure games like uh, Monkey Island, Grim Fandango, Full Throttle, um, Day of the Tentacle, and Double Fine is... They are a really interesting developer. Um, they are here in San Francisco, which is really cool. They make... I think they try to make really unique, interesting games. They have a very unique art style to their games that they typically don't use over and over again. And Psychonaut was probably one of their, you know, they don't always make big AAA games. Um, they have been delving in kind of like the smaller indie market downloadable titles. And this is a, a big AAA game for them. Um, and it looks really good. And all the reviews I've heard are that, you know, like it's been like 16 years in the making. It's been a long time since the first Psychonaut came out on like, this was a PS2 Xbox original uh, game. So there's a there's a strong fan base for it. But I think this is really going to get... Psychonauts 1 was very much a cult favorite. You know, it didn't sell particularly well. But after a while, people kind of caught on to it and realized, you know, this was really a unique, interesting game. Um, and Psychonauts 2 seems to be more of that with a bigger budget. I think graphics wise fidelity wise like it looks like their prettiest game yet and i think artistically they're doing a lot of weird things with the levels and stuff so i'm really interested in that one uh last but not least there's an indie game coming out called baldo i can't remember what the subtitle is something adventure um this one i think they showed a couple years ago and what really makes it stand out is it, it has a very much a studio ghibli type style to it um, it looks like it's it's a Zelda-esque type game where you're doing a top-down perspective. You're kind of going on a little adventure, going through dungeons and stuff like that. Um, but it was really the art style that uh, caught my eye. You know, it, it very much is in the vein of Studio Ghibli um, and their kind of artistic styling. So I think that's another one that I'm, I'm really interested in. But yeah, it's, it's been, a, been a while since there's been kind of a, a week where there's been a slew of games that I'm kind of interested for. Uh, and, you know, this is one of those weeks. And usually around this time, August, September, October is the holiday season. This is normally when we get a lot of big AAA games. And honestly, I think this year is a little stagnant. Obviously, COVID, I think the new console generation, um, the split between that has kind of made some some things a little bit slower. Um, but we're starting to get into that season. So you know, hopefully I'll be talking about more video games. But that's kind of what I got this week. Mike, what do you got this week? A very quick thing before I think... Uh... Me and Bobby probably start talking uh, CM Punk again. Um, something that actually just came across the Twitter wire not too long ago that I will be watching as soon as we're done here. Uh, the Spider-Man No Way Home trailer finally just dropped. Ooh, I mean, it, 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 right. it, dro it dropped about uh, 14 hours ago. Officially, though. Yeah, did you, did you watch any, that, did you watch any of that leaked one? I haven't. No, no, no. I wanted the pude. I wanted the real. Oh, see, shit. like I pulled, I, I pulled it up. Just cut stuff. I pulled it up, and it was some guy filming another guy's phone. In but the phone the guy was filming was also in vertical mode, so like the it was only taking up like a part of that other guy's phone too. And I was just like, I'm better than this. And I, that was uh, when I bailed on the trailer. I'm like, I'm seeing this movie. It's fine. Let me know when the real one comes out. So yep. So the real one did come right out now. So I will be watching that as soon as we're done here. Thank you, Mike. Thank you. You got anything else? No, that's it. Um, all right. Um, this is the wrestling part of the podcast. Um, so last week we talked about it. Um, and um, CM Punk made his return to professional wrestling. Mike, I think I told you a couple times where I don't think you were able, you really didn't have any concept of how big of a deal this man was. Do you now have a concept of how big of a deal this man is to wrestling fans? <laughs> 
to give uh, the audience some perspective as to uh, how much I really don't know or didn't know how big of a deal he was, was uh, on Friday, last Friday, I think Bobby texted me, hey, it's CM Punk Day. Are you excited or some, something like that? And my smart ass response was, yeah, I'm real excited to see the guy who lost to Mike Jack Mike Jackson. See, no, that, that was to I, which you responded, you're no. Well, fun. I figured you were just taking the piss out of me because you you could. Um, that's what the kind of the relationship we have. But <laughs> but in fairness, though, I was. But then at the same time, for me, I never watched CM Punk wrestle in his heyday. So for me, he for in my reference point, he is the guy who got his ass kicked by Michael Jackson. Yep, he was. Um, so it was the. L- Worst kept secret in MMA in a professional wrestling that he was coming to AEW. Um, they more or less, I'm pretty sure they leaked it themselves. Let's put it that way. Um, we had people making CM Punk references for weeks. Kenny Omega was wearing different shirts. He was wearing a Cookie Monster shirt, which was one of the pe- people have thought maybe CM stands for Cookie Monster. He's wearing a Chick Magnet shirt. People thought that's what CM stood for. We had MJF quoting an old CM Punk promo like word for word. Darby Allen said he wants to wrestle the best in the world. So CM Punk's moniker. And they sold 15,000 seats in the United Center on a Friday. Um, and they didn't fuck around, Mike. The show started. And first thing, cult of personality hit, which how much does Vince regret letting this motherfucker license an outside song? Like as his entrance music in profession. That was his WWE entrance song at the end. He owns the name CM Punk too. That was his indie wrestling name. How many regrets does Vince have about this motherfucker right now? You think? Um, that's that's likely why I don't think you've outside of like what Adam Cole in the last four or five years. How many other indie wrestlers have you seen come through and they actually keep their name when they get to NXT? Samoa Joe. That's really that's the other big one. Um, so he came out and it was the loudest pop I've heard in professional wrestling. Probably 20 years. Last thing I remember was like a Stone Cold Pop from like the late 90s. A specific one too. Not your average Stone Cold Pop. These people lost their fucking minds. Mike, it looked like people were having a religious experience in there. There was dudes crying. CM Punk was getting emotional. He dove. He came out wearing a hoodie with a picture of his dog on it, which was really endearing to me. Um, He dove into the crowd. Um, He came out to the ring. He... Shouted out Britt Baker immediately, which is I'm sure she was thrilled about that. Um, he came out with AC written on his shoes, by the way, and Sharpie. Uh, what, what is that? For? Adam Cole. Oh, maybe I don't know. That's that's the new conspiracy theory. He went out there, talked for maybe ten minutes. He said uh, he took his jacket off and sat on the ground, which, if you're not a CM Punk fan, means nothing to you. But people lost their damn minds um, when he did that. He broke pro wrestling tees. It's like still broken, kind of. They ran out of Ringer t-shirts, possibly in the entire United States. They can't find a supplier that will give him one. He has the number one selling t-shirt ever, all time. And the second place is a shirt that's been out seven years. Um, in terms of television ratings, um, AEW Rampage, a show that airs at 10 p.m. on Friday, um was watched by 1.1 million viewers on the 18 to 49 demographic the only people that matter glad that we're still in that group by the way guys um 692,000 
which was more than any other episode of AEW short of their debut in 2019. 1.3 million people watched his uh, his segment. And uh, 842,000 people within the demographic. It's a 0.65 rating. My favorite one I read was in the city of Chicago, among p- people 18 to 49, he did a 1.7 rating. 1.7 means out of 100 people, 1.7 is his share of the audience. One in 58 people aged 18 to 49 in the city of Chicago we're watching CM Punk on Friday night at 10 p.m. Um, they hit this thing out of the ballpark, man. They they hit it on every level, Mike. They did it. They did it perfectly. I, they did nothing wrong. It's I amazing. Think, I think you are not stressing. 10 o'clock on a Friday. It's the TV death slot. Friday. It's the TV death slot. It is like that's that is amazing. Like you know, people are out. People are out at the bars, especially that the age demographic that you're talking yeah. about. That's it. That's the, the. I mean, if you want to know anything about TV, the reason 18 to 49 matters, and even more so is 18 to 34. Those are people with disposable income who tend to spend money and can be influenced um, to spend money. So that's part of the reason there. Um, they this debut though, Mike. They they killed it. They did not. There was nothing flawed about it. On it, they, there was even the ice cream thing at the end, which was a reference to an old WWE promo from 10 years ago. He gave everybody in the arena ice cream. That was a, that was a thing. CM Punk ice cream. Um, yeah, I, I had no idea what, yeah, that I sent was. you guys, I, I just I, sent you guys the clip. I'm like, this is why that's from. It was like, he had an old promo where he told Vince McMahon, I want you to bring back the WWE ice cream bars from our childhood. And you know, um, he called out Darby Allen. He's going to wrestle Darby Allen. in I think it's two, three, two and a half weeks. In um yep. United Center, or not, I don't think it's in the United Center. It's in Chicago, though. I think it's in um the Rosemont Horizon. It's just apparently the one of the best wrestling buildings in the country. Chicago is a different world when it comes to pro wrestling, man. After Chicago is New York, and Mike, I'm a thousand percent sure um, that Daniel Bryan's coming after this one. The way these all came out, and I think you guys are going to be in for a fucking show. I think that's going to be a crazy night, man. Ooh, I think it's going to be crazy. Less than a month away. I, I can't wait. I think you're going to see maybe Eddie Kingston win a title or the Proud and Powerful Boys win a title. Ugh. You don't like the you don't like the Puerto Ricanos, huh? <laughs> you don't like them? No, it, I I have no problem with the Puerto Ricanos. I was ugging at Eddie Kingston. Yo, Eddie Kingston's face whenever he's with Sting is my favorite part of Dynamite. <laughs> Yeah, it's funny. like if like it's mark this guy he's hung out with sting the last couple episodes in tag matches and at the end of the match <laughs> as they go off the air he has the same look you or i would have if we were meeting sting he has like a cheesy grin like a thumbs up he's throwing like hey mom i met sting it's, it's pretty funny um on the other end of the world um people wondered what wwe was going to do to respond um apparently they hit both buttons mike they hit the brock button and they hit the Becky button. Um, I did not think they could fuck up Becky Lynch coming back. But and they, did. they fucked up Becky Lynch coming back by squashing Bianca Belair. And apparently Becky's going to be a heel. Which went so well last time. Um, she says she wants to be a heel. Allegedly. Which I don't buy. Because I don't think Becky's stupid. Because I don't think she's going to get booed. You don't get booed normally if Yo, you come back from a long layoff. Got- when she squashed Bianca, like everyone was kind of, I think, wondering, well, that doesn't make sense. But people were still like, but fuck it. It's Becky Lynch. We're happy she's back. Yeah. I mean, I was in 
I was in a pizzeria eating a pizza when Becky came out, and I just started like laughing and smiling like an idiot. Yeah. Yeah, the, the the couple in front of me were looking at me like I was crazy. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then um, I didn't think I'd be more excited about Brock coming out than I would be about Becky. But Brock came out after the main event. First off, SummerSlam was real long, like real long. You will not be surprised to learn. I fell asleep. The shit went to midnight on a Saturday there. <laughs> Um, I, uh, Roman did his Roman thing, but then Brock came out and we talked about it on the show. Maybe that Brock kind of looks like a samurai. Now he's a Viking samurai is the people people are going with. He has like a weird ponytail coming out of the top of his fucking head. Um, but Mike, they're going to Saudi Arabia. So let's, uh, let's get the old guys out here, man. The best part of the show is Goldberg, uh, Bobby Lashley. Putting uh, Goldberg's fifteen-year-old son in that uh, in the full Nelson. It's the highlight of the show. Quite frankly, <laughs> should have tore that kid's arms off. Um, and the only other thing I want to mention is that uh, NXT. And I'd like to pay my due to NXT because that's what brought me back to wrestling was NXT. And this sounds like they're ending an era of NXT where they're going to stop hiring the indie guys and let's get ourselves some old ex-football players. And hopefully we get some, you know, they pay off. Um, but that's what brought me back, man. Honestly, it wasn't AEW or anything. Um, I was gone for a lot of years. And CM Punk brought me back for a time, for a little bit. But then they fucked that up, so I left. And then NXT with Sasha and uh, Bailey, that really did it when I heard about that. Um, and then I learned about Finn Balor. And then we all went to an event, Mark and Steph and uh, Drew. My roommate at the time, we all went to an event. NXT is what got me back into wrestling. It made me realize there were still people like me who liked that kind of wrestling. Um, and, you know, I don't think AEW necessarily exists when, unless you they realize there was an audience for that kind of wrestling too, a real, like, actual wrestling show. Um, so if it's really getting turned into something else, I don't think that was a bad way to go out necessarily. Did you watch it, Mike? The takeover? Uh, yeah, yeah, I did. Um, and to your point about it not being a bad way to go out, um, well, Karrion Cross, he was just on Monday Night Raw tonight. With a red helmet. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he didn't look great. <laughs> um, Adam Cole, uh, rumored he's, um, he's probably going to AEW. Um, and one of the things that Nick Khan talked about was that wouldn't, wouldn't get any more indie wrestlers, um, no guys under six feet tall and, um, over the age of 30. Well, he didn't, he didn't confirm that part, but that was, that's the prevailing wisdom. Oh, come on. Yeah. Yeah. I learned Nick Khan's Iranian this weekend and I was so disappointed. (laughs) I'm like, we got the wrong Khan brother of Khan, man. Oh man, but go ahead. Sorry. So th- no, no, no. So this uh, yesterday really did feel like uh, you know, I guess I don't want to call it a celebration, but uh, a nice uh, end note to uh, to an era of NXT. Um. Yeah. Um. The main event kind of bummed me out. Um. Because I don't understand why Karrion Cross doesn't have Scarlet with him. Like I thought that's the best part of the gimmick. And I'm not just saying that because Scarlett is gorgeous. I mean, like, she was 
the whole gimmick with her singing his song and coming yeah. out there and all that shit. And it was spooky. And like, he's just a motherfucker walking to the ring now. Um, so that was weird. And Joe is one of the best wrestlers of all time, but Joe clearly doesn't have his sea legs yet. He looked gassed. Honestly, Joe looked a little tired and, um, sounds like he's going to use the, he's the champ now. And Karras is on raw. I, is it sad that we're talking about Adam Cole? The only reason we see him staying is money. Because we recognize, I think he's too smart to think that like the main roster is going to go well for him. He's five foot. He's listed as six foot. He's maybe five ten. Best case, you know. Best case, he's five ten. He's probably five nine. I mean, we not we don't think he'd do well. No, no, no don't think so. Um, and I think at best, at best, Vince McMahon will allow one person under six feet tall to really be be a big deal on the main roster. Um, Finn Balor's already up there. I think AJ Styles is maybe at most six no, feet. No, AJ, St- AJ Styles is like five foot eight, five nine. AJ Styles is Daniel Bryan size. So he, so he, he's another one. Hell, at at this point, at this point, Vince might be like, we've got too many people that kind of fit this particular mold. Um, so I can easily see Adam Cole, um, if he takes the money. Um, I think very similar to what Cesaro did a few months ago, even though Cesaro is a, a, a bigger dude, where he gets enticed by the money and then they don't do shit with him after like a three month push. Man, how has how Cesaro not been world champion? That's a whole different conversation. He's best description I've ever heard about Cesaro is by Kevin Owens, where he's talking about being on the Indies and um, there was a wrestler named Low Key who didn't want a job to Cesaro, and Kevin Owens is like, I understand not wanting to lose to me. All right. But Cesaro, his name was Claudio. He's like, Claudio is a human horse. Like, it's very believable to lose a match to this man. He's all muscle. Um, yeah, I, you know what? If he stays, we'll get some good up, up, down, down content out of Adam Cole. But I mean, the money is one thing. And the other thing is your girlfriend, partner, and your best friends being in the other company, an opportunity to be on TV and build it with them. And maybe the money's not the same, but I bet they aren't going to pay. I bet they still pay him. I don't, I mean, there's a certain point, man, where you got to enjoy your life. And if maybe he, maybe he might get more enjoyment out of WWE, but you know, it would be one thing. All right. So he's still only 32 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, Adam Cole, it would be one thing if we legitimately thought he can become universal champ or, um, what the hell is the other one called? WWE champion. Okay. He can either be universal or WWE champ. But I don't ha- I don't hold any illusions that they would ever allow him to get to that point. The sad thing is he's better on the microphone than any of these people we've talked about so far. Like he's better on the mic than AJ. He's better on the mic than DB ever was. He's better on the mic than Finn. And he wrestles a style that is conducive to the, you know, He's he man. He's basically the best description is that he's a combination of Shawn Michaels and Triple H. The his whole the whole way he portrays himself and fights and stuff. I think I think if we had anybody if if anybody else was up there, I mean I think it's he's easy main eventer. I wouldn't have a problem buying him as a main eventer on any level. But you know I don't know. I'm five foot five. If, so who am I to say? If if the day ever comes that for whatever reason Vince is no longer at the helm. 
and Paul Levesque is now the head of all creative um, for the main roster, mm. then yeah, Adam Cole should probably come back to WWE at that point, and he'll be world champion. He'll get the push he deserves. Until that day, as much as I love watching Up, Up, Down, Down and the party, and as sad as it was for a Tyler Breeze to leave, and that's changed things on, on some level, and knowing that if he leaves and he goes to AEW, that he, there's no way they're allowing him on any more Up, Up, Down, Down stuff, I would still rather see him, you know, hit some some different heights in different places yeah um and those of you who don't know in aew uh marcus this is important in canon adam cole is dead because when he left the indie scene on being the elite um kenny omega poisoned him well kenny omega and the young bucks poisoned him and he died they killed him they literally killed him off um what? A lot of wrestlers have died in combat. Exa- you I've know seen what? many men buried alive. Exactly. And so he's alive. dead. And um, when he, they signed his uh, girlfriend, or I don't know, are they married or engaged or whatever? But his girlfriend, they, they they did have a bit where they said, "She's like, are we gonna talk about the elephant in the room? You killed my boyfriend." Um, the Bucks, being the trolls that they are, have started uh, on Twitter. Um, they currently have a Ghostbusters background as their image, as their bad banner image on Twitter. And the link in their bio takes you to most successful seances. Um, they're all leaning heavily into it, um, which honestly doesn't mean anything the way these guys operate. But uh, Mike, honestly, I think he's gone. I think he's gone. I would. I just. Yeah, I think he's gone, and I think he's gonna. He might. He could show up on Wednesday. He has no no. He doesn't have a no compete. His contract has expired. Oh uh, yeah, he, he can show uh, up on Wednesday. He can literally show up on Wednesday. I, I don't think they do that because they don't need it. Yo, like, yo, like Punk just premiered on Friday. I mean, if him, if I'm him, he may take a week off. You just had a triple three. You had a triple three fall match in a cage. You got all sorts of gnarly shit happening to you. He just tweeted, by the way, just a picture, a gif of himself doing Adam Cole Bebe. That's it. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, right. I think he's maybe not this week, maybe next week, maybe at All Out. Maybe at All Out. Although, maybe at All Out he although comes it out. Would be, it would be cool if they uh, if he pulled a, a Bret Hart where like, yo, Sunday, I'm in WWE. Then like a couple of days later, what's up? I'm in the other promotion. The king of this move all time remains Ravishing Rick Rude. Who, because Monday Night Raw was taped, he was on Monday Night Raw and WCW Nitro the same night. On one of them, he had a beard. On the other one, he didn't. Shout out to the legend. Rest in peace, Rick Rude. That's my favorite one. Dude, um, I think he's gone. It was a good week for wrestling, though, man. Um, a lot of people cared. So that's good for the industry as a whole. So I know we babbled a lot yeah, about it definitely. here. Um, but we'll be back next week. Marcus, um, we should tell people to start watching uh, What If, right? What is I don't know what you're doing otherwise if you're not. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked about it, and we'll do a whole season wrap-up. Like How many do. are there? But it's been great. I think I read there's nine. So there's quite a bit. Okay. I think it goes until like, close to the end of October. And uh, shout-out to Elizabeth Olsen supporting Scarlett Johansson's lawsuit. Um, if it's not clear, this podcast firmly stands behind... <laughs> The person who is correct in this dispute, Scarlett Johansson. Um, and Mazel Tov on the new kid, because apparently that's a thing. Um, 
All right, guys, we'll be back next week. Um, I was Dr. Law, that was uh, Lavender Gooms, and that was DJ Mark. We really appreciate you guys listening. We know there's not a lot of MMA happening right now that matters. Blame the UFC. We're here to talk about video games, wrestling, and apparently kickboxing. So see us next week. Peace out. <laughs> see ya. Peace.